Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. This is part three in a series we're calling We Are the Church. And the whole impetus, the, the vision for this was started when, when uh, we were going through COVID and just going, man, we can't, we're not meeting on Sundays, but let's dig back down into our values, DNA, who we are. It's more than a Sunday gathering and, and all of that. And so we're, we're definitely doing that here. And, but then also the, the idea that in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit was always leading the church from one place into this next thing, through the liminal space where they've left one boundary and going into another, but don't know what that new is yet. And that just seemed like a really right now kind of word for us. And so we're going to be loosely looking at messages over the course of the summer here uh, from Acts. And obviously you'll see in just a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm running off the diving board, but I'm going to touch on some other areas of the New Testament as well. So uh, let's, let's just read through this passage, Acts 2. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we uh, just kind of how we got here, we, on Pentecost, we looked at Acts, the beginning of Acts 2, every nation under heaven was there, Holy Spirit brings them together, enables them, kind of flips Babel, you know, and the confusion of languages on its head, and now everybody can understand each other because of the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up, preaches the gospel, 3,000 people respond to the good news that Jesus is raised from the dead and he is the Lord. They're baptized, they're forgiven, they receive the Holy Spirit. And then this is what happens next, Acts 2, 42 to 47. And really want to focus in on the fellowship part here today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread in their homes, ate ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And this is the word of God. And we say... Thanks be to God. Amen. Okay, so again, we're going, we're continuing into this series, but also in the midst of this crazy time that we're living in, not just because of COVID, but because of just all that we've been talking about in terms of social justice and racial reconciliation, the deaths, uh, the injustice of those different scenarios. And last week, we had a panel discussion. If you haven't been able to see that, um, just take some encouragement to please do that. It's, it, uh, some of our longtime members formed a panel, uh, Ken and Amaretha Freeman and Houston and Nikki McBemina, and uh, we just got to hear from the African-American uh, experience, the lived experience right here in our own, our, for some of our own family. And, um, and so it was, it's important. And so this word fellowship, when we read that word, it's the Greek word koinonia, and the prayers. That was kind of trippy. Just by any stretch. (laughs) Word kind of fits. Um, And the prayers. (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe we're supposed to say a little more about the prayers. <laughs> um, but, but the fellowship. And fellowship um, koinonia is, it means, it means sharing. It means a participation together. It means sharing in common together. And so it's important, like when part of the body of Christ, the part of our family is hurting, it's important to hear that. It, it would be, it'd be, we wouldn't be in fellowship if we couldn't hear what a hurting part of the body was saying. Does that make sense? So, so it just, it was, it was helpful to us and I, helpful. And I think we're, we're on a, we're on a big, we're on a big learning curve right now. There's, there's things for us to learn and wake up to. And I, I'm using the phrase, we're, we need to be motivated learners. It, and in contrast to just regular learners. Regular learners are like, you go to school, you study, you take some tests, and you go to seminary or what, whatever your field is, and you, you learn a bunch of stuff. And you may or may not be applying all of that, right? So your knowledge may go way out here ahead of your experience. And so when that happens, you remember some of it, but you don't remember all of it. And so some of it kind of trickles along the way. Like, I, I heard something about that one time. But, but what happens is, whenever your experience catches up to your knowledge, or when it goes ahead of your knowledge, then you become, let me just say, a motivated learner. Like, I'm experiencing things and I don't know what to do. Help. Okay, then I'm a motivated learner. My classic story of this, we're about a year into the church, we're in a prayer meeting, and it's wild. I mean, it's on. 50 people packed into Brad and Ann Mullen's house back in the day. I mean, it was just living room, kitchen, people everywhere, and it's a roar. Just, Lord, you're awesome. We're praising you, Jesus. You're the king. Arr. You know, and then all of a sudden I hear, wow, furniture banging. And, and I look over, and there's an older sister in our church, and she's on the ground going, Arr. and I'm, I'm going, I'm not the most discerning person, but I don't think that is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And so because my experience was suddenly way out ahead of my knowledge, I went, Jesus, would you just make that stop over there, whatever, whatever that is? <laughs> I literally, I'm, I'm totally serious. That is the prayer I prayed. Praise God, somebody was in the room that knew kind of what to do and, and went over and just spoke peace over and just you know honored her and brought honor there in that situation. And turns out, that sister had been over to uh, to uh, Ivory Coast and had come back with some shaman stuff, you know, some things she picked up there, and just there was probably some kind of demonic thing that was happening. Okay, well, I didn't, I didn't understand all that, and so I became, my experience went out here, and I became, okay, I need to learn about some of this stuff. I'm coming out of, you know, the church that those things didn't exist today, right? And so I needed to, I was a motivated learner. By the same token, we're going through a season right now where we are hearing from our brothers and sisters, maybe in a fresh way, in a new way, just like, hey, we don't all have the same experience right now. And we're learning about an experience that's going on, and you, and, or just turn the news on, and you're going to learn about an experience that maybe not everybody in this room has had, and it should make us motivated learners so that we understand what's going on with our brothers and sisters, but also our brothers and sisters out in the city and other churches and in the nation. I mean, even just, if you just start with wanting to know on behalf of your brothers and sisters, and then take it beyond that to wanting to know on behalf of just people of color, 
You know, so it's, it's a big deal. Does that make sense? Practically, you know, I'll, I'll say this again at the end, but Vincent Carpenter, uh, one of the brothers that I got to be a part of, and Vincent and, and Clarence really let out in that thing. I just, I got to go along for the ride on the race and the glory of God paper that we wrote for the, as a position paper for the Antioch movement. But uh, uh, Vincent has a little deal, E-R-A, E-R-A, educate. So if, if, if there's, you know, the, there's, there's a lot of resources we're creating, a, we're created, not just creating, but it's in process, but it's up now, a racial reconciliation page that has some great learning resources, depending on where everybody's at. These are, have been vetted, but, you know, there's books that we're reading, sites that we're checking out, or interviews, or sermons, and those kinds of things, uh, and I encourage you to, uh, to educate, to relate, to, for, to relate to somebody that's not like you. Be intentional about, you know, making the connect, making the phone call, making the, making the dinner appointment, whatever that is, and then advocate. That's finding a voice for uh, the ways you can say what needs to happen for this future that we're believing God for. We're not just stuck here where we're at in time. We're actually growing and becoming more like Jesus. So we're in process. And uh, nobody has fully arrived at full sanctification, which means that everybody's got room to grow. So th- those are just some great ways of thinking it. Clarence has another deal called the dream clock. And it's just, it's moving. One o'clock is self-awareness, figuring out where you're at in the process. Two is showing up. Three, he's got just different things. Four is, I think, the dinner table and kind of moves on around. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get that. Get that to you. I actually have a uh, a link. I don't know if it's gone up yet, but I sent John a link to uh, a Facebook Live thing where he actually unpacks that. So it's pretty cool. But you know, some of our own story is that from the get go, coming uh, just I started learning about when I first went into ministry. I started learning about the movement that I grew up in, and we never talked about our history. We only we only talked about. AD 33, like we didn't talk about like that we actually had a, a history of real people back in there. And I, some of you guys have heard this before, but the, the church where I, in Milan, where you open the front door and right beside there, it said, this church established AD 33. And so there really was a sense of history-lessness. <laughs> you know, if you're a restoration movement kind of person, you, you just, hey, we're this, we're this. But the reality is we're all not just this. We're all influenced by history. Everybody is. We're all, we're all influenced along the way. And so the first book I read when I went into ministry training was a book called The Stone Campbell Movement. And I was like, man, it's about the Church of Christ, Disciples, and Christian Church. And that's the movement I, I grew up in. And, and uh, I was like, man, these guys were radical. I, I, I really like, you know, Alexander Campbell, this Baptist guy. And Barton W. Stone was this charismatic Presbyterian guy. And the stone cam, uh, isn't that a jumbo shrimp kind of statement right there? Charismatic Presbyterian, but uh, kind of came up through the Cane Ridge revival, radical stuff. But they came together and they said, let's just be Christians together. Let's let Christian unity be our polar star. And that got in me. I, I, the unity piece is just huge. And it has been a part of our journey, a core value since the beginning of the church. And it's at different seasons. It's looked different ways. I'm reading a book right now by Scott McKnight called A Fellowship of Difference. 
not like with a C, but a fellowship of difference with a T and an S, because we're all different. You know, that now some of us, you know, we may, there may be things we actually really like, talking about golf, golf's back on this weekend, glory to God. Um, you know, there, this is, sometimes we have some things in common with the Cowboys or whatever, but, but for the most part, it's not just, we're not just here because we all would do everything together all the time anyway. We're here because of Jesus Christ. We share his life together. We are a fellowship of difference, different people. We're a fellowship of actually unlikes. We're a fellowship of these different people that have come together and they're not like each other. And yet we experience unity and life together because of Jesus Christ and his spirit within us. And so uh, just powerful. And so what God wants us to do, even in this time where we're learning, we're, getting, we're waking up, we're getting more clear about things that need to change or what does this look like? The, the, the reality is we are pointing the way right here, God's people, the church, into a future that isn't, it's not going to be like it is right now. We haven't arrived. And so we're like, I, I, we're the signpost people that point the way to the way it can be, should be, will be one day. Main thing is that God's calling us to lean into shared love and fellowship. And uh, we don't have the, we're working on some tech stuff, why we don't have the uh, just there's unbelievable notes that are just that I would have for you normally. Um, go to the app. Go to the app. It's on the app. So God's calling us to lean into shared love and fellowship in order to be a picture of God's family to the world around us. You know, and I'll just say this: if if we are moving forward, if the church is moving forward, then somebody is laying their life down. That's just the way it works. That is the way this deal works. Is the, it's the way of the cross. And if we are moving forward in a life-giving, healthy way, then somebody's, then somebody's going low. Somebody's going the way of Jesus. Somebody's walking in humility so that we can keep doing that. And I'll, I'll, it's, the, it's, the, it's the story behind the story as we're moving closer to celebrating our 28th year of doing, of doing Antioch, of doing Christ Fellowship. And then, and then Antioch, Fort Worth, you know, it's, 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 it's the, the stories that you don't, you don't always hear about the middle of the night prayer sessions crying out to God for mercy and like, Lord, heal this or make this right or this relationship or, you know, whatever. And so uh, this, this piece, though, of us moving forward, race and unity is absolutely central to the New Testament. I'm going to say that again, race and unity together is absolutely central to the New Testament. It's central to the gospel. And it's, I'm just going to be bold here and say it's more central than you thought. It's more central than all of us thought because we've been raised, our world, it's more central than our Christian worldview allows for. We wouldn't be where we're at if it had had the centrality that Scripture actually Wants to God wants to reveal through the scriptures to us, you know, and it's uh, praise God for Martin Luther. But what happened is that Martin Luther was living in a time where he had a specific need about works righteousness and indulgences and those kinds of things. And so when he looked at Galatians, he saw justification by faith. Praise God for justification by faith. But 
the, the deal is, like Galatians, I'll, I'll talk some more about this in a minute, but Galatians, when, when you really look at why it was written, you don't come up with God's trying to tell people how to get to heaven when they die. The occasion for the letter is people weren't sitting together at the dining table. They weren't eating together. They were making the church to be a two-table people, and Luther missed that. So, Lord bless Martin Luther. But we're all, now we're in a place where we can, by God's grace, see some more of the revelation that God has for us to be a one-table people that are united and walking together in faith. It's a wake-up thing. And we all have different world, we're coming from different backgrounds, different worldviews, and waking up to what is needed. It's like we are all, every one of us, influenced by those who went before us. Families. Uh, I was listening to Pete Scazzaro. He's got a little uh, a podcast on emotionally healthy leadership and emotionally healthy discipleship. And he says, you know, one of the things that we all need to do is just a little bit of a genealogy study to look at our great-grandparents, our grandparents, our, you know, our parents. What are those, what are those influences? How have we been shaped? I, I didn't just show up neutral and pop, you know. It doesn't work like that. We're actually influenced by those who went before us. And so not only is that, so I'm, I was born in northeast Arkansas, and my parents lived in northeast Arkansas, and my grandparents lived there. My great-great-great-grandparents, I think, both came, uh, were immigrants. But that living in that part of the country is going to, that's going to shape some things, or shape some things that my dad needed to come out of, or I needed to come out of. Like straight up, it's, it's going to influence me. So in the same way that I'm influenced by my own genealogy, people groups are influenced by their genealogy. The things that have happened historically to the, uh, a people group, like in the United States, is going to affect how they, how they experience stuff. I talked a little bit in that letter that I sent out on Wednesday, that we sent out on Wednesday, a little bit about trauma. And when you have a traumatic thing that's happened, a wound, a pain in your life, you'll find that if that's not healed, you'll find it squeezing out in, in unlikely times and places, you know, and you're still like, oh, oh, and you're like, oh, I'm sorry, where, where, did that, where did that come from? You know, that was like a way overreaction. I had to apologize as far back as yesterday for uh, being with some guys and some stuff came out that was, it didn't fit the situation. You know, it just, it was, and I'm like, there's just, there's some stuff in there, you know? So imagine, that's part of what we're hearing with Ken and Amaretha. That's part of what we're hearing with Houston and Nikki about just pain that's kind of compressed over a long period of time and, and is finding its way out in expression. And it's a good time for us to really hear that. So, uh, big deal. Our past affects the present. And we're in this great study right now uh, that Lindy got us going on on, on spiritual warfare. Uh, I say we because the women are the we too, um, even though I'm not, although I'm, I'm kind of there. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, evicted. I'm in, I, I, I'm uh, exiled. That's the word. I'm, exi- I'm in exile on Monday nights. We're actually going to move the elder meetings to Monday nights so that we can not have such a feeling of exile. Uh, 
kidding. Um, there's a meeting in our house, and it's, uh, there. I don't know, there's probably 80, 90 women, something like that, involved in this study on spiritual warfare right now, led by, uh, it's uh, Tony Evans' daughter, is uh, Pris- Priscilla Schreier, and uh, doing that. I mean, what a great topic right now for us to be talking about spiritual warfare. What does the enemy want to do? The enemy wants to kill, steal, destroy, get us believing lies, self-talk lies that just totally inappropriate, like you, you no good, uh, you know, do that kind of stuff, uh, lies, uh, accusation, ever feel any accusations coming up against somebody else, those judgments, that's a great time to go, wait a minute, uh, t- time out, time out, Jamie, uh, the devil is the accuser of the brothers, of the brethren, and so I need to make sure, is, is this the Spirit of the Lord? Is this something the devil wants me to engage in, accusing and judging? And by the, the, the flip of that is love and going low, humility, rooted in security, the security of the image of God. That's who we are, the, our identity as who we are in Christ, turning not away from each other, but toward each other in love, knowing that our battle is not against flesh and blood. If they got flesh and blood, that's not our enemy. So, so what happens, though, is the, the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against rulers and powers and authorities in the heavenly realm. So, so there's all kinds of things at work in our culture right now where it's, there's something. There's a, there's a system. There's a, like, let's just take nationalism. You know, so when when nationalism creeps in, it gets us thinking that we are over the other nations of the world. Ever ever felt that way, anybody? A little nationalism? Like, I grew up as a kid, not kidding. I thought everybody on planet Earth wanted to get to America. Straight up. It's a great place to live. But I, I literally thought everybody... And, and it, I went to Germany in the year 2000. This one I kind of had a breakthrough this is, you get bonus stuff in this service that they didn't get in first service. But I, I, I went to uh, Germany, to Wiesbaden, and I just remember I was staying with Pete uh, Leiniger, and uh, I remember they had these windows, and it would open like six, eight different ways and fall forward and back and sideways and open up and roll like this. And, and I'm like, I've never seen a window like this in my life. This is ingenious. Like, they do some stuff better than we do. It was, a, it was, it was a, maybe they're not trying to get, maybe, maybe they're not trying to get to Dallas. You know? so, no, they're not trying to get there. <laughs> just, just being fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so national, what's behind, it's, it's that thing, that, that, that power that makes us feel superior to somebody else. So nationalism, racism, I'm over you. Our race is better than your race, you know, your ethnicity. And so uh, religiosity, our, the way we do religion is better than somebody, somebody else. And I'm not talking about orphans and widows religion here. I'm talking about the dead kind that creates a sense of pride in us, you know. And so all of those things are at work. And taking ground means fighting battles. And, and and I just want to say, the, what we're talking about, what our country's talking about, 
what we're talking about in the church right now, it's a battle worth fighting. It's worth fighting. I, I remember before we started the church almost 28 years ago, I remember there was different battles. I was preaching in this little church of Christ up in Southlake at the time. And, uh, and I remember just going, wow, we are really, we've been on this battle about hymn books or transparencies. That was one of the key, the line in the sand. And they were, you know, at the other side and at the other side. And the battle lines were drawn, you know, and the hymn books, I don't want to look up. I want to keep my head down or I want to, you know, and we had these things. I'll just talk to the younger guys. They were called, uh, yeah, uh, overhead projectors. And uh, you, you do this, this film stuff, you write on it or type on it, and then you'd have a flipper. The Emily was a flipper in the early days of our church, our daughter, and you put the words in the song and then it goes to the next verse and you do like that. And, uh, and, but there was a, the battle lines were drawn, transparency, and I was like, man, I want to fight about something that matters. Let's say, if we're going to have battles, we're all going to, there's always going to be something. So that was one, what was the, oh, lifting hands or not. Can we lift our hands or not? And just, and I mean, it was like people were, and you, it actually is fun remembering what a set, what a sac, a real sacrifice of praise. If you've never done that, like, oh Lord, it's death right now. It's happening. Oh, there it is, Lord, take it. My sacrifice of praise. And, and, uh, but, and I was like, man, I want to fight if we're going to fight battles, I want to fight battles that matter. And I'm just, all I'm saying is this matters. What we're talking about, right? It matters. It matters for the sake of the church and the future of the church. Jesus, it's interesting, the guy that comes, so in defining love, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, in an illustration, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan as an illustration of defining not just this kind of love, but this kind of love, which is very important. And it's, it's so the guy gets hurt and the priest goes by, the Levite goes by, and then the hero of the story is the Samaritan. And the Samaritan is the half-breed, the, they were Jews, but they intermarried with the Assyrians back when the Assyrians took over, and so they're half-breeds, they're they're, they're not fully pure Jews, is the deal. And so they look down on the Samaritan, and the Samaritan is the one that, who, who is then the hero of the story who helps this guy. And I think it's really uh, prophetic, obviously, Jesus, but, but it points to what is love going to look like as the church moves forward down through the centuries? What's it going to look like? It's going to look like that convergence, that that cross point of races coming together. There's always going to be an opportunity to love right there. Just, it's, it's a big deal. So in the, you watch the development of the early church in the book of Acts, and we could just, obviously, Pentecost, they, they come together and they start having fellowship. They start living, the result of them, all these nations, even though they're Jews, all these nations come together and they start living together a life of love. They start sharing and multiplying the life of Christ in the church through new disciples and new life groups and new congregations to the glory of God and the joy of all peoples. The reason I'm smiling is that's our vision statement. But, I mean, it's right there, right? It's that, that's what's going on. But then you see these racial tension points, and that's the development of the church. 
in the book of Acts. So Acts, uh, Acts chapter Acts 6, the Grecian widows, hey, we're not getting any food in the distribution of food. Hebrew widows, not helping them, not, 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 not helping them. So the Hebrews get priority, the, the Jewish widows get priority, and the Grecian widows are left out, and they're complaining. They say, hey, help us over here. And so the apostles do something really important. We're given to the ministry of the word and to prayer, and so they appoint seven deacons to be oversee, to kind of help oversee this, this servant work and to wait on the tables and to help, help that. Well, what that does, that first racial conflict, that conflict then leads to the apostles being freed up to do the ministry of the word and ultimately get sent out and do the things that they do. In Acts 8, Philip goes to the Samaritans with the good news, with the gospel. Later in Acts 8, Philip goes to the Ethiopian eunuch. And and history, tradition, says that that eunuch went to, he went back to Ethiopia, it's what he did, but that's how the gospel got to Africa the first time. Isn't that amazing? So it's, it's Philip being led by the Spirit to cross racial lines and the gospel goes to new places. Acts 9, this crazy persecutor of the church, prideful, all of this stuff gets into a, an encounter with Jesus that leads to him becoming a follower of Christ. And uh, Acts 10, the gospel goes to the Gentiles because... because uh, Peter has this vision, and, and it goes to the law-enforcing representative of the empire. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there about Cornelius, but that's the gospel going to that next place. It's a racial thing. It, it crosses a racial boundary. And then as the missionary uh, trips start happening, they're crossing racial lines as they're going to these different places around the Mediterranean. And even in Acts 16, the, the, the Macedonian saying, come over here, come over here to Europe. That's how the gospel goes to Europe the first time. These are racial, each one of these are racial boundaries that are being crossed. So that's kind of a flyover of Acts. Let me just mention, I said I would mention Galatians. I also want to mention Romans. But Galatians, again, the purpose of Galatians, it, uh, it's easy to get confused because we think of Galatians being about justification by faith. And it is that. It's certainly not not that. It's just that that's not why it was written. The purpose of the letter was that there's a conflict going on in Antioch where Peter had pulled back with the Judaizers that had come down from Jerusalem and they had created a two-table system there because of religious pride and because of the food laws. They couldn't eat with the Gentiles. But now, we are all one people. And so Paul says, that's another gospel. And, 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 and this, this, this piece is so huge for us to get that, that we haven't seen it that way. I, I, here's, the, here's the corrective. I, this morning I was, I was reading, I was thinking about this again. And I was like, I feel like Josiah discovering the book of law. And it led to a great reformation. It's like, oh, Wow. You know, what would have happened over the last 500 years instead of being stuck back there with those issues if instead Luther would have also seen, and I feel like I'm dogging on Luther, it's just, but, but he, he missed this. And so he didn't talk about the peoples coming together and there being one table. In fact, he had a lot of negative things to say about the Jewish people. And yet that letter that he got so much life from totally was about the Jews and the Gentiles being together at one table. 
So, so you roll the clock forward. Like, what would have happened if we'd been living in this multi-ethnic reality this whole time, rather than no, you're a different race. Let's go ahead, have another church. You know, and read Jamar Tisby's book. I mean, if you don't know the history of the church in America, it will really help you identify how prejudice and bias in the church led ultimately to African Americans forming their own churches because they were pushed to the back, made to sit in special places, not given roles of leadership, etc. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. And uh, so so the, 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 the thrust, though, of Galatians is there's one table. I oppose Peter to his face. Somebody's preaching a different gospel other than the one I preached. Let him be, and this is strong language, let him be anathema, cursed. Accursed. You know, so the, the, the real issue of Galatians is who's in the family of God? Who is the family of Abraham actually going to be? And it's those who are in Christ, Jew and Gentile, together one family. One family, one people, one table. The wall is down. And so now there's no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. You're all one in Christ. So that, and that's, that's, that, that's radical. I mean, and, and it's possible here. Okay, so it didn't happen 500 years, but it can ha- start happening now. We need to think this way. We need to get this kind of a, a mindset about how we're moving forward. The theological vision, you know, we're not going to move into something that we're not seeing. You know, and so... I'm going to stand, you know, there's things we need to repent of and all that kind of stuff. But if we don't have a vision for where God's calling us, we're just going to float around and do whatever. Without vision, the people cast off restraint. But with vision, there's some like some riverbanks and we're not just floating out over here doing whatever in a little tributary. We, we've got vision. We're, we're, we're constrained by some things. And one of those things is we're one people together from every tribe, language, nation, and tongue, a worldwide multi-ethnic family in Christ. That is the truth. And it's pointing toward new creation. That's all that's in Galatians alone. Just, it's the first book written in the New Testament. It's a great place to start. Read Galatians with that lens on and you'll see different things that you didn't see before. So that's a, that'd be a, an assignment for you. Uh, Scott McKnight in the book, A Fellowship of Difference, says this, Paul's new vision of God's grand experiment rubbed raw the delicate skin over ethnic privilege. Jews would have to learn that God was saying yes to Gentiles. Gentiles, the Greeks and Romans would have to learn that God was saying yes to Jews. Males would have to learn God's yes spoken to women. Come on, somebody say amen. And women would have to learn God's yes spoken to men. The economically elite would have to learn God's yes included the poor. The poor would have to learn that God's yes involved the rich. The morally kosher would have to listen with better ears for God's yes to the morally non-kosher, the alcoholics, the prostitutes, and the all-too-common thieves. And just, I was reading that yesterday and just thought, that's got to that's gotta get in here. Good stuff. So, so it, again, my point here is that for us to be this people that are pointing the way to the future, we've got to see that maybe there's room for a broader, more uh, a, a different kind of vision that involves people from all nations truly being together. Romans. I mean, 
So here's the deal. Uh, another book I'm the, working through right now with uh, Scott, uh, it just happens to be Scott McKnight, reading Romans backwards. And what that does is, and I first heard uh, Wright, uh, Graydon and I were up at a deal last summer with N.T. Wright up at Vancouver, and uh, I first heard him say that, and I was like, man, that just makes sense. If you know, why was Romans written? What was the occasion? So like, just like you know Galatians, the occasion is they're not eating at the same table. That's not the gospel. Romans, like, if you start at the end, 12 to 16, you get like, there's some problems in the church at Rome. Accept one another, love one another, weep with one another. When somebody's weeping, weep with them. Rejoice. When somebody's rejoicing, rejoice with them. And all of these commands to love. It's not about the food you're eating. The kingdom of God's not eating. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so there's all this stuff going on. And the context for that is that, and it's historically documented. It's not even like super complicated, but it makes a whole lot of sense when you think about Claudius, the emperor of Rome, evicted the Jews from Rome in AD 49. Kicked them out. Historically documented. And, and even mentioned in Acts 18, Asilla, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, they were in Corinth because they were kicked out of Rome. That's why they were in, they, because of the, that there were Jews that were kicked out of, out, of, uh, out, of, out of Rome. So then they start filtering back into Rome in 53, 54. Paul writes Rome, the Romans in 55, 56, and he's writing into churches, Gentile churches that are now receiving Jewish Christians back into these churches. And it's a mess. It's problems all over the place. It's trying to enforce the food laws and these different things, and they're not agreeing. And here we are. One of our main radical things about early Christianity was everybody sitting at the table together. Men, women, economically separated peoples, slaves, leaders, all, uh, all different patrons, and, and those people under them, but them all being they're together at the same table. So then all of a sudden, when you see that that's what Paul's writing into, it makes sense, not as a systematic theology, but as writing a letter to a church that's filled with people that are upset with each other and have to learn how to get, to get along with each other. Romans 9 through 11 starts making a whole lot more sense writing into that context about Jews and Gentiles being grafted in. And, and even the, the other theological things that are there make a whole lot more sense when it's about us being one people together in Christ. I could, I, I could keep going. Um, so uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It, this is the backdrop for so much of the New Testament. And even in Revelation, you see that this worldwide people, every tribe, language, nation, and tongue, we are going to all be there together. New heavens. No longer any separation between heaven and earth, between God and his people. Ah, that's my... Uh, I just think there's a whole lot there for us to unpack and to think about and to have vision for in our own hearts, a theological vision not just like, hey, let's get along with each other. Hey, let's listen to each other's stories. There's a whole lot deeper reasons, and we need to do that. But we need to have a vision of being one people together with all of our differences. You know, that's the, that's the image of God, that we're one with distinction. 
We're not blending into each other and we're not trying to make each other be us. We need all of the diverse distinctions that, that, that represent the beauty of our city, but we need to be living that out right here together. And so the church uh, is going to keep, by God's grace, figuring this out. We're where we're at in that process. We're not there. We haven't arrived. No one has achieved full sanctification yet, which means there's opportunities for all of us to grow and opportunities for the church to, to keep making progress. Practical things. ERA, I mentioned that earlier. There's all kinds of books. Check out the website for that. And, and a big resource, Houston didn't say this last week, but, but what he had said to me on the phone was, you know what I'm doing right now? I've read a bunch of the books. He said, I'm, I'm going back to my Bible. I'm just reading my Bible a lot right now, and it's helping me to get more vision for this. And so, you know, read Galatians. Read, read the end of Romans, and then think about the rest of the letter, how that, like, wow, that really unpacks stuff. And right now, when things are tense, it's hard to, it's hard, it's uncomfortable. Like, it was really, this is bonus too, it was really intense back in, uh, in Y2K. And we can laugh about this now because it's 20. I hope you can laugh because I'm about to, I'm about to say it. But we had, we had the beans people, beans and rice people. And they were storing beans and rice and they were really serious about storing beans and rice. And we had the no beans and rice people. And they were really serious. They thought the, the beans and rice people were kind of are you serious? And the beans and rice people were going, you're not being a good steward or planning for this future that's coming right now. And we'll help you, but bless you, you know. And, and so, hey, I'm serious. Like, you guys were just being born and stuff. <laughs> but it was, you survived. Yes. <laughs> and, but, I mean, it's like a real thing. Like, and people were, up, it, it, five years, it took five years to start laughing about it. And, uh, but, but it, was, it was a real, it's one of those, it's, it's a accept one another issues. Same, same thing with COVID. I mean, we've got, we got, you know, you know, masked up, what's the, the suit called? Hazmat suit. You know, we just like, let's do it. And then we got others that are like more on this side of the spectrum. And I just don't know, it's conspiracy, you know, whatever. And, and we've got to love each other. We've got to accept one another. And, and part of loving, if you're like, man, I don't think anything needs, you know, just da, 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 just then love the people that, that, that need that. And if it just, and you're over here and you cannot believe, just wildly not caring about loving other people, love them. Let's love each other. And uh, so kind of bringing those, those pieces together. Uh, yeah, just practically. Renew your mind. Walk in the Spirit. Where the Spirit is, there's unity. Where the Spirit is, there's unity. Where the gifts of the Spirit, are they for you personally? Rhetorical question. No. no. Some, maybe. maybe. Maybe prayer language. But, but mainly the gifts are for building up the body. Building up the body. Helping the body to function and be what it's supposed to be. And so let's walk in, let's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Let's walk in the Spirit 
and be committed for the long haul. It's a long haul. And all of us need to do soul care during this time because we, we just, we'll get tired. And if we're in a place where we can back out of all of this, we'll do it. Versus not everybody gets the choice of being able to back out of this, if that makes sense. And so it's a big, it's a big deal. I put on that letter that came out this week, I'm about just, we're almost done. Uh, in that letter that came out uh, this week, I, I used the illustration of a map, like going to a mall, you know, and there's the big kiosk and there's a map, or you go to Six Flags, isn't that a nostalgic kind of thought right now? Uh, we got older, this is a little quick, <laughs> as we got older, my brain started getting compressed when we ride certain rides, and I was like, this is not good for me anymore. Uh, back, out of that parentheses. And, uh, but go to, you go, to, go there and you see the map, and what is the, the arrow thing? It says, you are, you are here. And that's really important for us. Where are we at? Self-recognition, uh, self-awareness. Where are we at in this journey that we find ourselves at? And ask ourselves personally. Just that's a great personal question. Where am I at, and what are my next steps? How do I move forward from this place? I'm, I'm learning things right now, but what are my next steps? And where are we at? What are our next steps? And what does shared love and fellowship look like? How can we avoid the schemes of the enemy and live into Jesus' vision for us as his people, right? Those are just great things to be processing, families. Just give it some, give it some, where am I at? What are my next steps? What's shared love and fellowship look like? So it's like, you, I mean, I, I got a number of emails and texts from people that wanted to encourage, wanted to get their information to encourage them, you know? What is shared fellowship and how do you take that step? How do you relate to somebody outside of your circle? And I'll just say for majority culture folks, we need to lead out. We need to lead out. Just reach across, there's a, whatever little wall is there, step across, reach across, lead out. Make the call, schedule the dinner, schedule the lunch, whatever. And uh, the Lord's going to lead us forward in and through all of this with a theological vision to be the people that are pointing the way toward the future that God's calling, not just us, but the entire world to. Amen. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we love you. I just thank you so much for the ones that are gathered here today. I thank you for just being able to be here. We are so thankful just to see faces and to be able to give expressions of love around the room. Thank you for what uh, you're graciously uh, just allowing us to see, Lord, so that the church can be more of the church that you want it to be. Jesus, you're the head of the church. We ask that you would lead us in and through this time. Holy Spirit, lead us through the liminal space into the future that you have for us and uh, help us to be the people of God on the mission of God for the glory of God. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So may the Lord bless you as you go. May his face shine on you and may you walk in his peace and blessing in all things. Let's be this church that we read about in scripture. Amen.